0: Good morning everyone. It's time to begin our worship service this morning. I'd like to welcome everyone here this morning. Just to be able to get out. This has been some kind of week since we've met this this past Sunday. A lot of people still don't have electric and or water and in this area and around the country we need to pray for them. Certainly been a lot going on. Also, I'd like to announce that uh, NECA is providing NECO is providing food, uh, farmers to families food box pickup and this will be tomorrow from uh, 2 o'clock till 4 o'clock. They are delivering 300 boxes of food. They're going to bring it here and they're going to unload it and it's going to have uh, uh, some dairy products and, and meat and everything and we want to get it out to the community and anyone here that needs it, uh, This is they're going to be here at 2 o'clock so I would say anybody that can help to come and help uh, distribute that be here around 2.30 or so. And uh, we have that posted on Facebook and different places, and hopefully uh, we'll have a good turnout. We need some help. What? Two o'clock? Yes. Yes, they're going to be here at two o'clock. So from two to four, and this is really a good thing, and we appreciate that. Also, uh, on our prayer request, Josh Adkins uh, had surgery for a hernia this past week. He's doing good at this time. That's Katie Berkey's brother. And Denise Spears has asked to keep destiny in our prayers. She is uh, pregnant with her first child, and she has tested positive for COVID, so we want to pray for destiny. Vicki Bowen is staying with her son, Scott, since her fall, her recent fall. Leah Payne recently requested prayers for her family so we want to keep the family of leah leah Payne, in our prayers continue to pray for uh, kristen ward rusty leap hank picklesheimer and randy ash and those who are currently taking treatments for cancer and be sure to read your journal and uh, we have several in here that's uh, sick and our shut-ins, remember them in our prayers, and uh, we want to remember Marvin and Christy McAllister at the passing of Marvin's grandmother, Beta Ruth McAllister. Graveside services will be February the 23rd. That's Tuesday at Pleasant Ridge Cemetery. I believe that's all I have, if there's anything else that uh, I don't know about. Uh, okay, as we begin to uh, worship God, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we're thankful for the sunshine, and and, and Father, we're glad that uh, so many people are, are getting their lives back to normal the last few days, and but we are mindful of those, Father, who are still hurting and those who don't have any electricity, any power or, or, or water, whatever it may be, Father, and, and we just pray that, that you will bless them and, and bless our country, Father, at this time. These storms are going through and and the people that uh, has died from it and, and the tornadoes and, and other things, Father. We... Uh, we are blessed to to be in an area where we're at, but but we do at this time, Father, we uh, we do have those who are struggling and and need our help, and uh, we're thankful that that we are able to help in whatever way that we can. And Father, we're thankful that uh, we will be receiving this food tomorrow to pass out, and and we pray that that you that you will be with those people that. Uh, are delivering the food, and, and uh, those, Father, out there who need it, we pray that they have an opportunity to uh, to come and get it. Father, we pray that you'll be with us as we worship you this morning. Help us, Father, to worship you in spirit and truth, and and Father, just uh, worship you as our true and only living God, and help us to uh, never forget that, Lord. We are thankful for all that you, you do for us, all that you bless us with. We uh, thank you for Chris and, and be with him this morning as he brings us a lesson. Be with him and his family. We pray for David and Mandy and his family that you'll bless them. And, and those, Father, if any who are traveling or whatever it may be, we pray that you'll watch over them. And, Father, those mentioned here this morning, we pray that you'll uh, continue to be with those who are getting better, continue to watch over them. We pray for destiny, Father, that you'll be with her and and be with uh, those that we may not know about. And Father, we pray that uh, that you will comfort the family family of the uh, of McAllister family, Father, and bless them at this time. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.
1: If you would, let's stand. and We'll sing our first song, number 531. 531. Praise the Lord.
2: Praise the Lord.
1: song is only overhead only. It's how great is our God. How great is our God. After this, with Chad Judge, we'll read our scripture and lead us in prayer.
2: The <laughs>
3: scripture reading this morning comes from the book of matthew matthew chapter 6 31 through 34 matthew chapter 6 31 through 34 Do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all things and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we come to you now. Thank you for this day that you've given us, this time that you've given us to come together to worship you and to sing praises to you and, and to study from your word. Father, we do thank you for all the many blessings that you have given us, the the comfort of our homes, and all the stuff that we need. Father, we do pray for all the ones that are on the prayer list, the ones that are are sick, or dealing with illnesses, or in the hospital, or just at home, that you'll continue to be with them, strengthen and encourage them, be with the doctors that can help them and, and restore their health. Father, we do pray for the ones that have lost power during the, this storm, that that you'll be with them, be with the workers outside restoring the power, that you will keep them safe and um, they can get back to, to a normal way. Father, we, we pray that what we say here is well-pleasing to you and is according to your will. We thank you for Cy for leading us in singing. We thank you for Chris for the lesson that he's prepared for us. Father, we are so thankful for many things that you have given us. Father, we pray that you'll always be with us, continue to strengthen all of us, that we can be better Christians uh, in our walk with you. Father, most important, we thank you for Jesus and all the things that he has done, that he has died for us, that we could have a home with you. We thank you for all the things that you've do. In Jesus' name, amen. Our next song is number
1: 916. Nine sixteen, come share the Lord.
2: We gather here.
4: When was the last time you got intimate with your sins? Other than maybe a prayer at night or a prayer. Before you eat, or something we might say, and God forgive us of our sins, and then and then we go on. Um, do we really today deal with our sins in the way that God expects us to under the old law, they dealt intimately with their sins. God instituted animal sacrifices once man had sinned as a way of reminding man about how seriously God takes sins, about how he hates sins and detests our sins. He wanted man to try to, in some way, sense what he senses when we sin. The slaughter of an animal in and of itself is uh, distasteful. It's repugnant. uh, And I guess it's possible to get used to that if that's what you do for a living. Um, But it's still never a pleasant act. God wanted these sacrifices to hurt. He wanted these blood sacrifices to mean something. They were regular and ongoing so, the persistence, the ever presence of these sacrifices was one thing. The priests themselves had to offer sacrifices for themselves before they offered sacrifices for the people. They couldn't scrimp on these offerings, these sacrifices in any way. God demanded their best where blood offerings were concerned where non-blood offerings were concerned, the crop that they had worked so hard for all of, all of the previous year, the very first crop that eagerly anticipated and awaited crop had to be offered to God. That hurt. Where animals were concerned, the animal that you offered could not be damaged or less than the best that you have. It couldn't be lame, it couldn't be blind, it couldn't be that straggler over here. It had to be the best that you had. God wanted people to sacrifice something in their sacrifices. He wanted them to give up something. He wanted it to hurt. People were not allowed to retain any part of their sacrifice for some side benefit, at least I could, you know, eat of this. No, that was reserved for the priests, the Levites, and the services that they provided. Listen to this: When any man of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the animals from the herd or the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer it a male without defect. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering that it may be accepted for him to make atonement on his behalf. He shall slay the young bull before the Lord. This isn't the priest, this is the owner. And Aaron's sons, the priest shall offer up the blood and sprinkle the blood around the altar that is at the doorway of the tent of the meeting. He shall then skin the burnt offering and cut it into its pieces. That's grotesque. It talks later on about the, the birds, the doves that were offering. It says they pinched their heads off and pulled them apart by the wings. That is grotesque, and I hate to even have to say those things. It stirs up really bad images. God wanted them to be intimate with their sins. Not only was this a prized uh, possession without defect, you also had to lose it and all that went into its existence in the first place. On top of that, you had to do the dirty work yourself. God wanted man to be intimate with his sins so that he could convincingly acknowledge them before God. You know, we owe Jesus so much. We can't even begin to express our debt of gratitude to him for what he has done. One of the things that he has done is he removed that old law from our Charge, We don't have to offer those blood sacrifices the way they did. We have him as our blood sacrifice. He did it willingly. And the next time you think about your sins, think about what they had to go through and what we, quote unquote, have to go through. Not much comparison at all. Our gratitude to Jesus and our gratitude to God for what uh, they have done for us is remembered in the Lord's Supper that we are about ready to partake. We gather every Lord's Day to do this. It is a solemn feast. We should be examining ourselves as we do this. And part of that examination is how unworthy we are to partake. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we pray as we assemble at this time that you will be with each of us who participates in this sacrifice. The sacrifice of your son on the cross and and the remembrance that we have of him at this time. We ask that you bless this bread which to us represents his body that was hung on the cross for us so that we would not have to undergo not only that which they under the old law underwent, but also the eternal damnation that our sins brings to us without his sacrifice. We pray that you be with us as we partake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I said a while ago that we were unworthy to partake, and we're we're unworthy of that sacrifice. Uh, Sometimes in 1 Corinthians 11 chapter, we talk about uh, the unworthy, being unworthy, partaking in an unworthy manner. Um, Our manner is worthy. This is our manner. What they were doing was a corruption of the Lord's Supper. None of us is worthy. We partake in a worthy manner when we do it according to his will. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for that precious blood that was shed on the cross. Nailing the old law to that cross and taking away the enduring effect of sin in our lives by allowing Jesus to take on our sin on the cross. We pray, Father, that you would bless this cup that represents that blood. Let each of us examine ourselves and let us consider the love that he had for us and the love that you had for us in that sacrifice. In his name we pray. Amen. Next time you say, Lord, forgive me of my sins, pause for a second and reflect on what those sins are, other than just letting those words flow from your mouth. And I speak uh, from my own heart. Since we're paused, I take this time to remind everyone that uh, this congregation exists to spread the word of uh, God here in this community. And exists to serve us as members of it, to be uh, built up in the faith. Uh, we can't do that without the free will offering, uh, the pattern that God has set up for us in the New Testament for supporting such a work. The uh, boxes are in the back, and if you have not uh, done so recently, we would encourage you to uh, make your offering there.
1: would let's stand we'll sing number 226 226 how great thou art song of invitation is number 538 538 prepare to meet thy God
5: good morning it's good to see each one of you back with us again this morning so you've got your Bibles, be turn into Mark chapter 6 Mark chapter 6 is where we're going to be studying this morning we've been in the middle of a series of Mark for several weeks now We've been talking through Matthew 5, uh, Matthew 4 and 5 actually, where Jesus presents the parable of the sower and we're supposed to look inside of ourselves and figure out which type of soil are we. Are we the good soil that readily accepts the word? Or, or are we one of the other types of soil that, that pushes back a little bit sometimes? Uh, obviously there are varying grades there and obviously you can switch back and forth. At one point the disciples were not good soil. They become good soil, but they're not there yet. And so there's hope for all of us, no matter where our hearts are. If we're willing to put in the hard work to grow our faith, we can get there. That's kind of what Mark, Matthew, Mark 4 is all about. Mark 5, we meet some people in the middle of storms. During a storm is when we need our greatest faith. It's been kind of a crazy week, hasn't it? <laughs> a lot of us have been out of power. A lot of us have been out of water for a day or so. Um, It's been a little bit of a week, hasn't it? So, it's good, I think, to talk about these kinds of issues during this kind of where our minds are in this setting. During storms, our faith has the potential to grow like it's never grown before. It's an opportunity. In Mark chapter 6... Mark seems to switch gears. He's not really going to. Remember, Mark's more of a preacher than a historian. So he's going to use Jesus' miracles and the interactions Jesus has with the different people as illustrations to serve his greater purpose. So Mark is going to continue the conversation that he's just had in 4 and 5 about storms and growing your faith. And he's going to show you what comes out of a grown faith, a grown-up person's faith. What does that look like? Well, it gets rejected. It gets rejected. In chapter 6, Jesus goes home. Uh, he goes back to his hometown of Nazareth. Nazareth, for Jesus, would have been very much like someone leaving Procterville and coming back after a couple of years. Not a lot has changed. It's small. Uh, Nazareth is about 50 families. Not a ton of people. Um, you can see a recreation of the synagogue uh, on the board here behind me, this is what the interior would have looked like. There's the out, the, the exterior uh, for you. This is obviously a recreation. The one that Jesus would have stepped foot in uh, is no longer there. This is a very small community. Jesus knew these people. Um, this would be like going into food fair for one of us. And, you, know, you see your cousin, you see your aunt, and you see your friend, and you wave next door neighbor. You know, you know these people. Jesus knew these people. In fact, when he comes back to his house, back to his hometown in Nazareth there, the people are astounded at his miraculous ability. Nobody has been able to do the things that Jesus has done. They are confounded. They're amazed, astonished at his power. And in fact, they have even gone beyond that to listen to his teaching. And at that too, they are also amazed. They don't know how he has grasped These difficult theological concepts and are applying them in ways that are affecting each and every person's life. They don't get it. He's not a rabbi. He didn't sit at the famous rabbi Gamaliel's feet like Paul would have. You might expect theological treatises from Paul. From a guy with his education. You would expect profound teaching from Paul because he's a rabbi. But from Jesus, who hasn't sat at a rabbi's feet, who didn't go to school to learn these things, it's a little bit astonishing that he has such power, but also has such incredible knowledge. These people are well aware of his education. Grew up with them. They saw him when he was born. In fact, most of them remember how Jesus was conceived. In fact, you notice that in this story, we're not going to have time to read it today. I want you to go back and read the first 13 verses of Mark 6 today and just kind of pick it apart. Work through those questions that I put on the front of the bulletin for you. Read the article there and work through those questions this week. But as you read through Mark 6, those first couple of verses, you'll notice that they don't call him Joseph's son. In... To a Hebrew, your genealogy was passed down not through your mother, but through your father. And so you would be Joseph's son. But that's not what they call him. I wonder why. You think they remembered the scandal? I think they would have. Even 30 years later, they're still talking about this scandal. He's Mary's boy, not Joseph's son. And there's a a lot of ridicule in that little statement, Mary's son, that you find here. The... The, the way that they describe Jesus. If you read through what they say here, they're astonished at His miraculous power. They're amazed at His teaching. What would be the logical next step? Let me sit down with this man and let me learn. Let me hear more from him. Let me follow him. Right? That would be the next logical step. I want to be your disciple. I want you to teach me. I want to be as close to you as possible because I don't, I've never seen or heard of anybody being able to do the things that you're doing. I've never seen or heard of anybody who's teaching like you're teaching. And so I want to be close to you. I don't know who you are. I'm not able to write my mind around God in the flesh just as a first century Jew because that would have blown their minds. But I know there's something special about you. And I just want to be close to you. I just want to hear. I just want, I just want to be around you and see these things. That's not what they do. They're astonished at his teaching, amazed at his power, and then they're offended at him. And they push back. So what kind of soil are these people? Mark's, remember, illustrating his point. If Mark were here for us today, he would say, you remember that parable I told you back in chapter 4 about the parable of the soils? I want you to identify very quickly what kind of soil these people, the Nazarenes, are. Are they good soil or are they bad soil? Well, when they hear the truth, it's not like they misunderstood it. They understood exactly what Jesus was saying. They just didn't like it. They didn't like the the messenger. They couldn't wrap their heads around why he was special. And so they pushed back. You know, it's possible for us to become so acquainted with something that we become desensitized to it. Maybe you grew up in an area, this area is beautiful, uh, going to West Virginia, going to Northern Ohio, here in Southern Ohio, the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains, is beautiful, right? You just drive around, we were up on Greasy Ridge a couple days ago, driving around looking at the, at the ice and things like that, it's gorgeous, terrifying, <laughs> but gorgeous, right? Really inconvenient, but gorgeous. If you were around that day after day after day after day, what begins to happen? You begin to not see it, don't you? You begin to overlook it. And what was once amazing, beautiful, is now mediocre. Because of your acquaintance with it, you haven't stopped to appreciate its beauty over and over and over again. I think that's what's happened in Nazareth. The people were so acquainted with Jesus, they couldn't grasp His uniqueness. It's different. And so, I started thinking, what makes a person's heart hard? What makes us become desensitized to Jesus? Because I think that's... A possibility for us, just as much as it was for them. We are, although not as acquainted with him physically as they were, at least as acquainted with him emotionally and spiritually, and verbally through the Bible, as they are as they were with him. And so, for us that st- for us that come to services regularly, there may be a possibility for us to contract a hard heart. And I, I want to avoid that, right? I want us to avoid that. And so how, what makes a person's heart desensitized to Jesus? I think Mark tells us. If you go back through and you look at Mark chapter 4, with the parable of the soils, you're going to hear me say that probably several times as we work our way through this incredible gospel a lot of what Mark is teaching hinges on the parable of the soils. It's very important in his gospel. But as you go back through and you look at the parable of the soils, I think Mark gives you the answer for what makes a person's heart desensitized to Jesus. If you're not willing to put in the hard work to grow, or if you're going to allow yourself to become distracted by anything, literally anything, that can distract you from God. The possibility for you having a desensitized heart is very high. If you go back to when you look at the parable of soils. The thing that Jesus says to make your heart sensitive. To make it soft. To become good soil. Right? Is you need to put in the hard work to grow your faith. Put in the time. This doesn't happen overnight. It's a process, right? Mark tells us that in chapter 4. When in the, the second of these seed and soil parables, it's a process. It takes some time. You're not going to grow overnight into this, this giant of faith, the mustard seed kind of faith that doesn't happen overnight. It, it takes a little bit of time. But if you're not willing to put in the time, or if you're not willing to put in the hard work, of getting out the maps and doing the word studies and spending some time in the word and spending some time around people who encourage you to be more like him. If that isn't something that you want to be involved in, it's going to be very easy for your heart to become desensitized to Jesus. One of the other things that he tells us in the parable of the soils that will affect the way our hearts hear him is the cares of the world. That's just kind of a really generic term, isn't it? And I think Mark means it to be generic. He wants it to be all-encompassing. Literally anything that takes your concentration, your focus, off of Christ has the ability and I would say the likelihood to make your heart desensitized to Him so that even if He were standing in front of you doing miracles, things you had never even heard of, had no concept of. Like raising uh, the, the little girl last week in Mark chapter 5. When she died, what did the people think? Well, There's no use in bothering the teacher anymore. Even, even this incredible rabbi can't heal her. She's, she's dead. She's gone. What did Jesus do? He healed her. He resurrected her from the dead. Even if that happened right in front of you, and you hadn't been putting in the time to grow your faith, you would find a way to discount it. You would find a way to discount it. You would find a way to explain it away. She's just sleeping. You know? She wasn't really dead, she's just almost dead. He did something, and it was it was cool, but I mean it wasn't, you know, resur- You would find a way to discount it, wouldn't you? Mark in chapter four in this parable of the soul. Soil also tells us uh, that the love of money will also have the power to desensitize our heart. Literally anything you put more focus on than you focus on God has the power to desensitize your heart to Him. And so we need to be very careful in 21st century America where we are the wealthiest people on the planet. In an age unparalleled, as far as wealth goes, we need to be very careful with how attached we become to money. We also need to be very careful with what we attach ourselves to, what we focus on. The scripture reading Chad read for us this morning from Matthew six uh, parallels the thoughts that I wanted to lay alongside this, this little section of our of our text this morning. Jesus is teaching on the the parable, uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount, and He's talking about how He's going to take care of you. He's going to give you the clothes that you need. He's going to give you the food that you need. He's going to take care of you. But what? Seek first His kingdom. Before all this other stuff, seek this first. So what's your focus? What do you pay more attention to than anything else? What do you spend more time on than anything else? What do you love more than anything else? If it's not Him, the possibility for you having a desensitized heart to Christ, it's not just possible, it's a likelihood. You see how this is so incredibly necessary for us. We need to hear that, right? I don't want my heart to be to be to become in that place. I don't want your heart to be in that place either. We've got to figure this out and focus and speak. Focus on Him and spend the time and put in the hard work to grow our faith so that we want to be closer to Him. Because if we don't, we will find ourselves pushing Him away, just like these people did. Their reaction doesn't make sense. Wow, He's doing incredible things. He's doing this incredible teaching. Please leave me alone. They had become desensitized. They weren't good soil. We want to be good soil. And so we put in the hard time, the hard work and put in the time to grow our faith so that we can accept the things that he has to say. Because sometimes the things that he has to say are difficult. Like, don't love money more than you love me. Like, spend more time with me than you do with anything else. Like, focus on me more than you do anything else. Those things are difficult. They're difficult to hear. They're difficult to do. But the rewards are worth it. And what we trade for Him is not. Move on to the next little section here in Mark chapter 6. You'll find Jesus sending out the disciples to... Uh, there's a recipe for a hard heart. <laughs> uh, look at these cute pictures of my kid. Okay, um, So in the rest of Mark chapter 6, you find Jesus sending out the 12 disciples. We call this the limited commission. Uh, He's going to pair them up. And so there's, there's six, 12 apostles, there's six little groups that he sends out to go into the towns ahead of him. And their job is to teach the gospel. They're going to teach the truth, the things that Jesus has been teaching. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The time is fulfilled, right? Mark 1, 14 and 15 that's what Jesus' mission has been all along. He's sending the apostles now ahead of Him into the villages to teach that exact same mission. But He tells them not to take some things, right? Go back and look. I want you to see this because I think this is just such an interesting, uh, interesting thing here. In Mark chapter 6, verse 8, he's, He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. Now, you remember from Psalm 23, the staff and the rod... Right, We see that a lot in the Old Testament, Old Testament imagery, the rod and the staff, the things that shepherds carried. And Jesus' people, the first century folks, would have been familiar with these items. These are things that they would have carried just as much as, as their Old Testament counterparts did years ago. The rod was for protection. This is, this is the thing that David would have beat the, the bear with uh, when he defended his, his sheep against the bear and the lion. The, this is uh, a weapon. Jesus says, don't take a weapon with you. Don't take a weapon. You can take a staff with you if you want to. It's a walking stick, right? So you can take that. But don't take a weapon with you, which is interesting because they're going to be rejected, just like he was rejected, right? We're going to be rejected, just like they were rejected. If you start leading a life that is wholly focused on God, everything changes. We've talked a lot about priorities and values in this series on Mark As your priorities and your values change, as they're transformed to look more and more like His, it indicts the people around you, your neighbors, your friends, and your family. They don't share those values. It tells them that they're living wrong. They don't don't like that. That's hard for them to hear. It's hard for them to understand. And they feel like you're accusing them right? just by the way you live your life. And so rejection's coming. He says, Don't carry a weapon with you. Carry a walking stick if you want to. He also said, Don't carry any bread, no bag, and no money in your belts. So, this bag that Hannah's carrying, make the baby carry the bag. She's just, it's just a picture. Uh, she just wanted to wear it for a second. It's very heavy. Usually, usually carry it, Kelly and I carry it, and uh, sometimes Tyus carries it. But inside the bag, we put all kinds of things, right? Um, there's food in there, there's several waters in there, because when we go hiking, sometimes we go for a couple of miles, uh, and we're out in the middle of nowhere, and it becomes lunchtime, the kids are hungry, and they're whiny, and you're like, oh, here's some peanut butter, <laughs> and it fixes the situation, right? We put a lot of things in there, sometimes uh, mosquito repellent. We'll get some bear spray or something. In that the video of uh, getting chased by the cougar, I'm getting bear spray. Um, so we carry a variety of things in this bag. When Jesus said, don't carry a bag to the apostles, this is essentially what he's talking about. You're not going to carry enough stuff to need a bag to put it all in. So don't worry about the bag. Just leave it at the house. You're not going to carry any money either. You start thinking, Jesus, what's going on here? Why can't I carry all this stuff? What good's a walking stick going to do for me? I'm going to need housing. I mean, just stop in for a second and think about the logistics of what they're going to need for this journey. We go hiking for two hours, and we carry a backpack that a four-year-old can't carry for 100 yards. These guys were going for days and into places that they had most likely never been and didn't know anybody. What are they going to need? I mean, stop and think about it. Think about it for a second. They're going to need lodging, right? How do you get lodging? We've got to pay for it. What's the problem? Jesus told them to leave their wallets at the house. <laughs> they don't have any money. Don't take any money with you. So how are they going to pay for lodging? What else are they going to need? Well, we keep a lot of food and waters in our, in our backpack. But Jesus said, don't, don't take any bread with you. Don't take any food. Well, what are we going to do for food, Jesus? Because you told me to leave my wallet at the house, and now I'm hungry. I don't have any place to stay. And I don't have any food to buy any of that stuff with. What's he doing here? He is stripping them down of all the things that they would normally rely on. He's taking all those away. For what purpose? To make them rely on God. To make them rely on Him 100%. To see that as they need something, He will come through for them. Jesus says to them uh, later on in this passage in 6: Verse 10, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. They're going to be able to find lodging. They're going to be able to find people to take care of them. And when they come to a place, they are to teach what Jesus taught. Another thing I want you to learn from this. (laughs) There's our food. Uh, Another thing I want you to learn from from Mark 6 with their scarcity uh, of the things that they were supposed to bring along with them is this is an incredibly urgent journey. This is an incredibly urgent call. They don't have time to go back to their houses and gather up all the things that they think they're going to need for this long journey. That takes too long. They need to go. They need to be on the road telling people, teaching that there's a Savior, that He loves you, and that He's died for you, and that there is a way to salvation. There is a way outside of your sins that Rick talked about this morning. There can be salvation, but those people outside don't know about it because we haven't gotten to them yet. Jesus says, I want you to get to them. Don't go back to your house and spend time messing around with your bag. Don't worry about the bag. You're not going to need the bag anyhow. Go, God's going to take care of you. It's going to be just fine. Just hit the road and start telling people that there's a Savior. Talk to them about the plan of salvation what God wants from them and how he's chosen to save them. You may have noticed <clears throat> the uh, the numbers that are that have been on the left side of the screen here. They've been going up. I tried to figure out how to do a counter. I'm not I can't do that. <laughs> but you've noticed every minute 120 people die. Do you know that I didn't know that. Every minute, every minute, 120 people die somewhere on this earth. In the span that I've been talking to you this morning, at least 2,160 people have died. Have entered into eternity. Now the Bible tells me that most of them didn't know about God. Didn't know about the plan of salvation because wide, right? Is the gate that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. We have the recipe for salvation. We don't have time to be messing with bags. Our call is urgent. We need to get out there and start telling people about this before they enter eternity unaware. That's how I want to leave this lesson. I want you to go out... Today, this week, find somebody to tell about the saving power of Jesus. He's the only one where salvation can be found. We look in a lot of, a lot of wild places for salvation. Sometimes we look in, uh, in, in money for salvation. We think it's going to save us. We look to the world for salvation. We think it's going to make us happy. It doesn't have that power Not only does it not want to, it doesn't have that capability to. Only Christ has that capability. And today He's calling you. If you haven't been saved, if you haven't been baptized into His blood, He's pleading with you this morning to come. Have your sins washed away in the power of baptism. Take up a new life. Become a new person inside of Him. Maybe you've already made that decision this morning. You just need the prayers of this congregation to be who you ought to be, to go out into this world and tell people that there's a Savior, that He loves them. If you have any new this morning, won't you come as we stand and sing?
2: And so, why will you linger,
1: do want to echo a little bit what Chris said there for a minute about being out on Greasy Ridge. Uh, And I've learned this week that you don't always understand what you have until you lose it. I know I actually got mine back, meaning power, which is odd because I'm usually the last one. But you don't realize how blessed you are until you lose something. Even just driving here you know, we lost power Monday night. Had to come into town for gas for the generator Tuesday and Wednesday. Trip that normally takes me 20 minutes took me an hour. Going over, around, and under fallen trees. Yes, I did it all. Even moving fallen trees. You, uh, it, it becomes really annoying. And you know, you get gas. And I, I don't know how cleaning everybody else says when they're dealing with gas, but I got some on me. I'd been working, I stunk, let's just get it out. I stunk, I was nasty. Get home, turn on the faucet to wash your hands, nothing. No water, and I had to live with that stink for 36 hours, and yes, it was stink. Uh, but you don't realize what you have until you lose it. And driving here this morning, now that I have those things restored, Yes, I know that the ice is dangerous, uh, even fatal if you're not prepared. But it was beautiful. And it was also God's creation. And God is in control. Uh, So our last song this morning, before we leave, is number 971, Restore My Soul. After this, Brian will lead us in prayer.
2: Restore my spirit,
6: Susie Bowen gave me an announcement here. Please pray for a young nurse from Lawrence County, Alyssa Baer. She had to have two emergency surgeries, back surgeries this week, and because of COVID, she is alone at this time. She is not moving from the waist down. She's possibly going to Boston for spinal rehab when she is more stable. Would you bow me, please? Father in heaven, we thank you for this day, Father, and we thank for this opportunity that we have to gather here in this building, Father. Thank you for the reminders you've given us for all of the blessings that we do have this week. Father, we pray for those that are still without power and water and the necessities to survive. Father, if we can be of any help, Father, show us the way to we, where we can do those things. Father, we're thankful for all of the the men and women that are working to, to restore these these issues to our community, be with them, help them to be safe, Father, as well. Father, we pray for all those on the sick list. Father, we especially wanna pray for Alyssa, be with her and the doctors that are attending to her father. Give her the comfort in knowing that there's others out here uh, thinking about her. Father, be with us the rest of this week. Help us to be the examples we need to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.